For over 30 years, and through 22 albums, Grammy Award winner Arnie DeFranco has forged a career in the music industry, delighting her fans with her uncompromising but elegant songs, as well as embracing causes that are important to her. Her latest album, Revolutionary Love, released as all of her others have been on her own Righteous Babe record label, offers reflections ultimately of courage and the promised revolutionary love. Annie DeFranco will be appearing at the Community Arts Centre in Williamsport on Thursday, September the 16th. I had a chance to speak by phone with Annie DeFranco recently. You are both a great musician, a beautiful artist, as well as an activist. And I was curious as to the chicken and egg question, which came first? Were you a young activist who discovered that you had this amazing musical talent? Or were you a singer-songwriter who discovered activism? How, how did that come about? Hmm. Well, I would say, uh, you know, I think I sort of I got both from the get-go so to speak. My mother is a very creative person. She wasn't an artist or a musician. She was an architect, actually, back before that was cool. You know, she's in her late 80s now. So when she was going into architecture, there was no other women around her doing the same. You know, she was sort of blazing a, a path in a world of men. And very aware, a very uh, bold, empowered woman, very aware of her own feminism. She was an activist in her own right, I guess. You know, when I was young, I remember my mother organizing a food co-op in our neighborhood. Um, and I remember her joining an organization called Women for Downtown, which was urban planners and women who appreciated the importance of cities, what they mean for human culture and advancement. You know, cities are like the brains of society where diverse people come together and share ideas and build on each other's ideas and cultures and create more than the sum of their parts. And you know, here I am growing up in Buffalo, New York, which is a city that's being abandoned more and more in the 70s and 80s when I'm a child by the privileged because of racial fear, racism, you know, and sort of white flight to the suburbs. And my mother is trying to stem the tide of money away from the city. I mean, I remember holding her hand and going door to door campaigning for uh, local progressive women running for city council or this or that. So from the beginning, I was made aware by not just my mother, both my parents, uh, of my citizenship, of being a part of something bigger than myself, of my responsibility to that. And also from the beginning, I always think of this moment later, much later in life, um, Flash forward now, I'm a mother myself. I'm playing with Play-Doh with my daughter and my mother, three generations of DeFranco women sitting around playing with Play-Doh. And me and my daughter are cutting out 
circles and hearts. And and I look over, and my mother has just made what looks like a Rodin sculpture. <laughs> this incredibly characterful figure of a person, you know, slumped. And, and that is my mom. I just marveled at her in that moment and so many. Like, she is just an incredibly creative, expressive person. So... I have no doubt that I was infused with that from the beginning, too, that somebody hands you a wad of Play-Doh in this life, you can cut out circles and hearts, or you can express yourself uh, or, or say something deep and wide. Uh, it's your choice. So my mom always showed me option B. So I think from the beginning, I had both of these forces at play before I even knew what to do with them. I always felt invited to do whatever I wanted to do, to be whoever I wanted to be. I felt supported. My father was more of an immigrant, the first in his family to go to college, the first in his family to have a professional career, and kind of a remarkable bootstraps kind of American story there, you know. Um, so both of them were marvelous examples, but I managed to get what they had to offer without feeling that sort of pressure or um, insecurity about myself. Who were your musical inspirations when you were younger and indeed now? Yeah, um, well, when I was nine, I got my first guitar, and uh, at the guitar shop, I met a fellow named Michael Meldrum. This is in Buffalo, New York, and he was a local singer-songwriter, you know, put together acoustic shows and, and supported the sort of songwriting community, um, hosted open mics. You know, he was a real man about town, a kind of a Buffalo personality. Everybody knew him, most loved him, <laughs> although he was somewhat controversial as any good creative personality is. So Michael was my first mentor, I would say. He really took me under his wing and started bringing me around to his gigs in bars, and I was his shadow for many years. I really learned a lot about my vocation from him. He was a great inspiration, I think, for just... He was a type of person who was very... Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think that he wasn't like this naturally gifted uh, or virtuosic musician. He was just in it. He was just all the way in it. He was just singing from his heart and playing with vigor and just expressing himself and freeing himself when he played music. So that was, I think, a great inspiration to me. You don't have to be the best singer or the best player or the best anything. You just have to free yourself and that will be beautiful. That's what we want to hear and, and experience in our art is somebody letting it come through them uh, without worry and without judgment. So I would say Michael was a huge inspiration. I mean, I listened to certainly there were recorded musicians like John Martin, who's an English songwriter, incredible acoustic guitar player. Um, he was a big influence on my young self. Joni Mitchell, I certainly listened to when I was very young. Joan Armitrading, I was all about her record. Oh, there were many songwriters and acoustic players that inspired me. And these days, whew, ah, I don't even know. My mind is so boggled. 
lately, but there are still many. Um, you know, through I have now a teenage daughter, so through her I was aware and a fan of Billie Eilish before any of y'all. <laughs> she discovered Billie right away, and um, I think she's just incredible young artist. I mean, there's just so many young artists that I find so inspiring. Lizzo just blows my mind. Uh, oh, I can't even pull names out of the air, but there are many. One of the wonderful things I think about having young people around me is that I discover new music all the time through them, through their interests. Mm-hmm. That's always so exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean... I'm 50 now myself, and it's becoming very palpable to me that unless I interact with people half my age, I begin to decompose. Like, (laughs) I just, there's no way I can understand the world as it needs to be understood now, um, you know, from my vantage point. I need advisors (laughs) way my junior, and it is thrilling, it is thrilling to to have access to uh, the world through young eyes through my my kids and I feel very grateful for it myself and also to share with them yeah yeah it's true it's true you can often pull things out of the time before they were born and go yeah Billie Eilish didn't start this check this out (laughs) check this person or that person or this person and and blow their minds I remember hearing my daughter once when she was 11 telling somebody that her mom her mom has been playing music a long time like 11 years <laughs> which was perfect because of course children we all imagine the world began with our birth <laughs> Of course at that point I had been playing music for about 25 years or something You've recently released it's funny I was just about to say you've just released but you know, in the era of COVID, just is nearly a year ago. <laughs> what is time? Your yeah. 22nd album, Revolutionary Love. There were a number of tracks that stopped me and, and made me listen closely and made me wonder about some of your inspirations and where you get your ideas from. I was particularly struck by Shrinking Violet, not in an experience I've had, I'm happy to say. But I could imagine a young woman singing along with it and feeling that anger. Particularly these lines struck me. Your anger has a hunger, mister, and I'm its favorite dish. I was just so moved and frightened by that. Yeah, that that song was a particularly hard one to write. Um, you know, I think I have a, a sort of heroic persona in this world. Like, I am this uh, fearless uh, feminist who just charges through the world and tells this person and that one where to get off, and I'm in control of my own world and my life and I'm very strong and certainly in my songs over the years I have presented my hero's journey with a a perspective of 
of strength and transcendence and often you know my songs this is sort of what happened and this is what i did but this is what i'm going to do next time or maybe this is the fantasy of what i did or said instead or maybe here's an option b where i don't cower and get manipulated or crushed or walked on so i have empowered myself through my songs for many years and something that i've done and and it and i'll tell you it works it works if you <laughs> i mean i think many artists and writers and all kinds of people have i I'm, i imagine i'm not alone in this you can write yourself into existence you can become the person that you sing so that has been incredible for me to have sort of made myself stronger through my art something that i've done less is to without adornment without sketching an escape hatch or a rope ladder into the scene just depict other moments in my life where i feel very disempowered where i feel scared where i feel trapped so a song like shrinking violet is something that i you know i almost felt <laughs> as i was writing it like oh am i betraying <laughs> the heroic character of ani in the world by showing ani um in a different light um but the result honestly uh like you sort of intuited is that to show that side of me which is a more intimate a more private type of experience is that so many other i mean i guess really women at this point i would say have come out very quietly from the woodwork and said that's my song and to know this about the world around me it's just another one of those very affirming experiences that i've had through art through music that you you become so much less alone when you put yourself out there because you discover that you are not alone that people even will secretly come up and say me too you know i've been hearing me too my whole life and sometimes i will these days since re- releasing this new record and that song shrinking violet which describes you know and a being in an abusive relationship and not knowing what to do how to get out of it or transform it or empower yourself in a moment um i will be speaking with an incredibly intelligent self-possessed woman you know doing an interview and i will think ah you know what an awesome person and what a inspiring and then at the end of the conversation after we're off the air so to speak she'll say shrinking violet that's my song thank you thank you it's like boom wow there's a lot of people um living different lives in this world one of them more public facing and one of them more private and um connecting with them through songs like shrinking violet is is as important i tell myself as providing inspiration towards strength and transcendence well you are a bit of a joan of arc <laughs> and your france is other women around you you are inspiring for so many women we see you in armor but it's 
that vulnerable side too is so important because that's empowering as well, I think, to say, I am strong and I'm powerful and you are one of us. But that shows us that even someone as incredible and inspiring and as strong and as armoured as Arnie DeFranco has a vulnerable side. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I have been thanked uh, exponentially more over the years when people, you know, more more women, but not always, come up to me on the street or wherever and and thank me, which is always a beautiful experience. But I have been thanked just so many times from the beginning for my vulnerability. This is what people say they when they have my ear for a moment, um, they say, thank you for your vulnerability. And I, I feel as though I'm only beginning to understand what that means and why that's happened to me along the way, much more than thank you for your, you know, strength and, and, and warrior nature or, or example. Yes, exactly. It's thank you for, for having the courage to be naked and show me all sides of yourself so that I can relate, I think, is because I am strong and I am brilliant and I am also weak and I am scared in other moments. I fail as much as I succeed. Yeah, I guess just being fully human in your art is the most valuable thing if the responses are any indication. Revolutionary Love is a beautiful album. I'm sure that your music is like children. You're not allowed to have a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but do you secretly, is there a song, is there a piece in Revolutionary Love that you say, boy, that was a good one. That was a great moment. Ha. Well, songs are definitely like children, you know, in, in the sense that you create them. And you release them into the world and you hope the best for them. <laughs> uh, you hope that people will take them in and uh, give them a home <laughs> and that they will have beautiful journeys in this world. But they're not children. So I absolutely have favorites. <laughs> there are some of my albums that I love and think are pretty all right in retrospect and others that I unfortunately many more songs and recordings that I that I cringe and I wish so much I could do again um, but I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about this last effort revolutionary love I think is one of my more successfully realized body of material you know it's it's one thing to, you know, I always say, like, I, songwriting is something, and, and playing and performing, those are things I have practiced every day of my life, and I have slowly honed in on uh, my way and improved my skills. Albums, this is something you practice once a year or so, you know, if you're lucky, and uh, recording and producing and mixing and these are things that it's a whole other skill set one that I have uh, often taken upon myself I usually record my own albums I produce my own albums I mix my own albums some people call me a control freak maybe it's true <laughs> 
I experienced myself over the years as more just impatient. I just want to do it. I don't want to perfect it. I don't want to call around and wait for the team of professionals to show up (laughs) and make it right. I just want to do it and I want to keep going and I just want to be alive and in the moment and not worry about whether it's right. But, you know, this can lead to regret or maybe in terms of realizing these songs that I care for, that I painstakingly burst, you know, realizing them on record. So I just feel like as far as this latest album is concerned, Revolutionary Love, it was a great moment. It was a great team. It was a lucid document. And so I feel happy about it and happy for those songs. I always wonder when I'm speaking to a musician who is on the road and they're going to perform in front of fans and inevitably their audience is going to want to hear certain things. How do you organize a performance? Do you organize it as a tour and you play the same things each night? Do you get inspired on the way, as it were? You know, you're heading for a performance and you think, I really need to do this piece. How does that happen? Yeah, definitely try to stay in the moment. I would just shoot myself if I (laughs) had to play the same set every night. It's hard enough to just, you know, with this new album out and this being our first sort of belated album release tour, you know, I'm trying to feature a lot of these new songs, which um, given that this album was written and created sort of during the uh, pandemic. So even just sort of hitting the new songs every night is a challenge. It's a challenge to be completely awake and in songs many times in a row, you know. For me, it's it's kind of great these days because, as you said, I've made 22 records. So I have hundreds of songs now to draw from. Um, I mean, I don't have hundreds in my memory banks at any given time. I've done the math. I've crunched the numbers. And I think I have about 80 songs, give or take, probably take (laughs) that I can pull out of my brain and my spleen in any moment and draw from when I'm making a set list. But um, it's a pretty generous sort of playing field that I have now to work with. So it's kind of fun. And, you know, we were on tour this last week and a half or two. And it's awesome to be able to just pull things out of all kinds of different eras, depending on what I'm feeling that day and and watch my band, uh, Todd and Terrence, you know, have to sort of reach back and dust off their own, you know, it's challenging for them, it's challenging for me, and exciting to just keep changing it up as much as I can. Do you have certain songs that your audience always ask for, and you quietly think, oh, do I have to do that again? Um, yeah, well, there's definitely audience favorites, you know, the hits which are my style hits, they don't, (laughs) they're not hits on the radio, they're not um, hits on the TV, but with my audience, there are certainly favorites and songs that are asked for. But, you know, I'll tell you, the thing about my audience, because then maybe it's also a factor of not having radio hits, not having a lot of exposure in mainstream venues, Um, there's an incredible diversity to 
the way that people listen to my music, to the things that they get out of it, to their favorite songs. So as much as there are audience favorites, there's also this just surprising degree of diversity of what people request. I mean, people will shout out all kinds of songs, songs I haven't thought about since I was 22 or 34 or, you know, it's amazing what people ask for. But yeah, there are, uh, I mean, I try to play sort of a mixture of what I'm feeling and then some audience favorites, mix them in so that they have that experience, you know, that is palpable for me too, of touching base with an important moment in their own lives, you know, an important version of themselves that that song represents. So those moments, they're not just moments for me on stage where I'm like, oh boy, I guess I got to play this song again. It's true, genuine moments of feeling that catharsis with people of, wow, we have come a long way together. In terms of the upcoming show, it is not the most comfortable thing to spend a night in a mask at a show, but this is a, a requirement that we are seeking, and I, I know it's not the most comfortable thing, but I think it's an important thing. You know, I would hate for, again, for people to get sick or to put any of their loved ones or families or communities in jeopardy because we need each other and we need to feel each other and we need to lift each other up through this shared experience of music. So to anybody who is coming to the show, I want to thank you in advance for wearing that mask. You know, I've been looking out this last week at masked audiences and the degree of discomfort that you experience when you have to keep that mask on like so many essential workers and people in this world have needed to do for the last year or two. And though it's not comfortable, it's not ideal, it is beautiful. It truly is beautiful to see people rise to that occasion. Like, I will sacrifice a little bit of comfortability in this moment to care for the people around me. I do think of masking when we go shoulder to shoulder with people at a musical event as a sign of caring, of community, of brother and sisterhood. So I thank you in advance for doing that when you come to the show. Annie DeFranco speaking to me by phone recently. Arnie DeFranco will be appearing at the Community Arts Centre in Williamsport on Thursday, September the 16th, beginning at 7.30pm. In light of the growing number of COVID-19 cases and in accordance with current directives from the Centres for Disease Control and Prevention, the Pennsylvania College of Technology and the Community Arts Centre will be requiring masks indoors for everyone, regardless of their vaccination status. For tickets to see Arnie DeFranco at the Community Arts Centre in Williamsport on Thursday, September the 16th, visit caclive.com or call the Community Arts Centre box office at 570-326-2424. Many thanks to Arnie DeFranco. And thanks to you, WVI's Fiona Powell, for an enthralling interview with Ani DeFranco. 